Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Edmondo Robinson. He's Senior Vice President and Chief Digital Innovation Officer at Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida. In this role, Dr. Robinson is charged with expanding the digital ecosystem to deliver on a consumer-oriented real-world solutions for one of the largest cancer centers in the U.S. Prior to Moffitt, Dr. Robinson served as the Chief Transformation Officer and Senior VP of Consumerism for Christiana Healthcare System. He had responsibility for transformation of healthcare delivery to advance population health initiatives and moved from volume-based to value-based care with a special focus on developing and managing Christiana Care's consumerism strategy, including development of consumer digital and virtual health service offerings. You know, today we are hyper-focused on, on value-based care and consumerism and healthcare. So I'm super excited for uh, Dr. Robinson's perspectives. In addition to, to his previous roles, he's also an associate professor of medicine at the Thomas Jefferson University Sydney Kimmel Medical College, and he's also a practicing physician. So uh, it is truly a, a privilege to have him as a, not only a health industry leader, but also a practicing physician to talk about some of these trends in healthcare. With that, Edmondo, I want to give you a warm welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks all for having me. So what is it that got you inspired to do the work that you do, Dr. Robinson? So I've had, as you said, um, read my bio a little bit, I've had a few different roles. And my, my inspiration, though, has always been consistent. It's I truly want to make a difference. I know it seems a little corny. But, you know, it's, it's one of the drivers. I think there's so much opportunity in healthcare to affect and improve people's lives. And one of the reasons why I continue to practice, uh, that one-on-one interaction where you are truly, literally, I'm a hospitalist, so literally saving someone's life, that is inspiring. And then it's, even as I think about digital and the opportunity to improve and affect people's health across scaled across a large population, continues to inspire me. It's, it's the, the one-on-one interactions, the N equals one interactions, as well as the N equals many interactions. Um, to me, they inspire me in different ways, but at the end of the day, we are actually truly helping people, and that that's a good reason to get out of bed in the morning. Totally agree with you, and my head and heart are in the same place, so I don't think it's corny. <laughs> I, think <it's, laughs> I think it's a great thing to to be moved by. And and so I'm curious now, you know, with the work that you're doing there at the cancer center, how are you guys adding value to the healthcare ecosystem? What's different and better about what you guys are doing? It's interesting. You know, the goals here at a, at a NCI designated comprehensive cancer center are n- nothing less than curing cancer. I mean, it's not a ambiguous goal, right? It's to contribute to the prevention and cure of cancer. So, you know, when you when everyone has is is lockstep in with that that focus, it's very refreshing, right? You know what your goal is. My my job on the digital side is to say, how do I leverage digital for that same goal? 
Mm-hmm. Right. So what does that look like? Again, we all have the same goal. I bring in the digital piece. So you start thinking about those areas like how do I improve outcomes? How do I use things like machine learning and AI to improve the actual clinical outcomes of those folks that we that we serve? How do I use digital to drive costs, drive down costs so we can cure cancer cheaper um, and make it more accessible? Thinking about robotic process automation, those kinds of things, improving operations. And how do I do all of that with an even better experience for patients? And how do I leverage digital to scale that improved experience um, across um, the entire population that we serve? So those are those. That's how we how we approach from a digital perspective the opportunity to contribute to the prevention and cure of cancer. I love it. And, and so as as we wrap our heads around this digital theme, how does that translate into say the work that you've done in consumerism? And 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 you know how does that translate to the physician level that's providing care? all the way down to the, the patients that you guys are taking care of? Interesting. So and I, and I like to, it's, it's a great, great uh, question. I like to start with the patients and then go back or then go the other way. And, okay. and actually, you mentioned consumer. And so there's different ways of defining who we serve. Mm-hmm. Honestly, even though I've had the title, consumer may not be the most comfortable for me, but there needs to be some acknowledgement that there are people who are engaging in health and health behaviors and improving their health that don't see themselves as patients. And so we have to figure out how do we, how do we want, how do we engage with them, and then, how, and then what, what do we call them? So right now, the, the best definition that they ha- we have or the best kind of descriptor that we have is consumer mm-hmm. um, until, I, until I hear something better. And people, is, I know people, people have said, okay, let's just call them people, which I get, but it's a little, it's a little loose. Um, and so right. I think I like consumer, healthcare consumer, to me, feels a little bit better than just kind of broadly people. That being said, now, how do you engage with consumers? Well, the same way everyone else, every other industry engages with consumer digitally, right? That's, that's the way you engage with them, whether it's, you know, online or it's uh, SMS text or, or it's mobile apps and so forth. That's how you engage with people. It's, it's not complicated conceptually. It's complicated in execution. And so I don't think anyone disagrees with the idea that you engage with consumers um, digitally. That's certainly how you scale that. Now, there's certainly aspects of what we do in healthcare and other industries as well where you need a physical, you need a physical component to that. So now we start talking about the operations, start talking about the physicians and so forth. So how do you then convert, you know, it's almost clicks to bricks. How do you convert those digital interactions into those physical interactions when necessary? And it's not, they're not always necessary when you think about things like uh, virtual care. And so now we say, well, how do we optimize our operations so streamlined that we can focus on those physical interactions when necessary and do a really good job at that? And then how do we bring everyone along who's been in a traditional healthcare system for decades, right? How do we bring those folks along to this new digital age? So that's part of that's part of the work. That's the work of digital. And if you ignore as a digital person, as a as a digital innovator, if you ignore the people part of the operations and the clinical piece, you will fail. Mm-hmm. You absolutely must focus on those people, and whether it's the frontline staff, the uh, back the back office operations, and certainly the clinicians, the physicians, nurses, pharmacists, and so forth. That needs to be a high focus. And so, it, you know, there's this title of digital and this title of innovation, but at the end of the day, it's it's about people, about people, and it's about people. Love it. Oh, it's a it's a great call out and. And what do you believe makes what you do 
and what the cancer center does better than what's available today? There are many opportunities again to leverage um, digital. You thought you think broadly about how do you leverage digital. We've got some really, really talented people um, that are working in the digital realm. And when I when I call it digital from for Moffitt in our team, it includes the entire IT shop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, includes informatics, it includes data, and, and as well as kind of the more traditional things that people think about with digital in terms of you know virtual care and and apps and so forth. So think about informatics and think about the opportunity to refine the way that clinicians interact with the electronic medical record. At first, I mean, there's, we, you can have saw a whole separate broadcast, um, a podcast about the electronic medical record, the, the pros and cons, and you'll spend most of your time on the cons, by the way. And so that's a whole, so, so just true. refining, right? So you, you're, you're familiar with this, right? Oh, yeah. It, and just refining that and you refine that interaction so that you can actually focus on the people, uh, both who are delivering the care as well as well the people who are receiving the care and receiving those those interactions, right? And so th- there's that piece. There's also you know how do you leverage data to optimize outcomes? Whether it's refining your your interaction, so you know you have a list of of p- people who potentially could have some kind of intervention, but you're leveraging data, big data in this way to say you know what, but it's really this subset of those people who are truly going to benefit. Again, that's leveraging, and you, you use machine learning and, and in, in some cases, AI around, around that. You can do that as well in imaging as well, where you actually have AI algorithms that are, that are looking at your, your films and supporting the radiologist in optimizing that outcome. And then, you know, so again, operations, clinical operations, the way the physicians interact with the electronic medical record, and then again, the way that patients and consumers engage with the system itself. Whether it's through uh, patient portals, which I'm not a fan of, by the way. So the, I think I think about the way we engage much more broadly than that. You know, everyone starts with Dr. Google, right? So so what are you doing around that? What are you doing on online search? What are you doing around uh, SEO and SEM and all those kinds of concepts as well? That entire package, right, of digital, whether, you know, going from the interactions with the patient and consumers all the way through the clinical operations and operations all the way through to the to the hardcore kind of big data components. That entire interaction is the value that we bring by leveraging digital to improve, the, ultimately improve outcomes. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. And, and then there's the spectrum, right, Dr. Robinson? I'm thinking on the one hand, folks like yourself that are well-versed and understand how to operationalize these, these things. And then on the other end is folks that don't understand and, and how to do it. What, what advice would you give to other hospitals wanting to take some of this digital up and, you know, that don't know really where to start? Yeah. So it's a great, that's a great question. And there's, there actually are levels to that conversation. Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the challenges in us healthcare is you've seen one health system, you've seen one health system. Mm-hmm. So the answer to your question actually depends on the health system. There are a couple of themes I think that are in there though. So one is that quite frankly, I can pretty much guarantee you that you've probably underinvested in digital. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 going to be you know whatever whatever health system I'm talking to, you've underinvested, 
And so uh, just realize that building out digital is going to require an investment. It reminds me of this idea of, you know, we're going to imagine a health system says, hey, we want to grow our, um, our surgery business. So we, let's say we want to grow our joint, our joint replacement business. Mm-hmm. And so they say, hey, we're going we're gonna to grow joint replacements. Let's go, you know, maybe let's hire some, you know, hire some orthopedic surgeons or something. But they forget to build operating rooms and hospitals and OR equipment and those kinds of things. They're like, ah, we don't need any of that stuff. We're just going to hire the docs. You can't. You have to build the infrastructure if you want to grow that business. Mm-hmm. The same is true for digital. You actually have to invest in the infrastructure around digital if you actually want to grow that business. You can't just say, hey, we're digital now. Doesn't work yeah. that way, and so again, I'm almost guaranteed that they've underinvested in digital. And part of the reason is because it's much easier to get money to build a building. Bonds, you know, tons of health systems are going out for bond draw. The, the the rates are great. Tons. Of, it's much easier to do that for buildings than it is to build digital or IT, right? Yeah. And so that's that's so there's reasons behind this, but quite frankly, you've probably already under underinvested until you actually have to have some dedicated resources around, you know, people or knowledgeable around this uh, this topic around digital um, and so you actually have to put people in place you have to you have to get transformation officers digital officers innovation officers whatever you want to title them you have to bring them in you've got to get them in to, uh, to do that work thirdly I would say uh, partnership and collaboration partnership and collaboration go out there and see what your see what your peers are doing see where you have opportunities to collaborate with early stage companies get out to the you know to conferences and meetings and maybe go to Chicago Silicon Valley Boston some of these hotbeds of, of healthcare innovation and and have some of those conversations and so i guess those are the three uh, invest 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 bring in the right people and think about your partnerships and collaborations Love it. No, that's a really great uh, pathway and, and frame to to think about it. And, you know, I love that you just went straight for it. You're, you're more than likely not investing enough. And what is enough? You mentioned build your team. You'll, they'll let you know. Yep. <laughs> and finally, yep. collaborate. If, if you look in the rearview mirror, Edmondo, what would you say you're most proud of in your career thus far? You know, maybe there is a theme here, and it's funny because the digital guy has a has a theme that's about people. But that's I think that's what I'm most proud of. Um, and because I, I was recently I was able to answer that question so quickly because I was recently asked that question um, as I was transitioning uh, from Christiana Care to to Moffitt. And you get really reflective and a little bit introspective when you when you spend over a decade in one place and then you transition to another. And at the end of the day, it was really the people. What's your legacy? And at the end of the day, it was the people that I've, that I've recruited, that I've mentored, that I've supported, that I really kind of grew fond of over the years. Those are the folks that are going to, at the end of the day, for me, are going to truly be a legacy. They're truly going to move the needle. They're truly going to improve outcomes. They're truly going to help people. Again, back to my what really motivates me. And it's the ability for me to bring those folks along. I mean, I've, I've recruited people who were never in healthcare before. I've mentored folks who never knew that, never thought they were going to be leaders and ended up being, you know, outstanding leaders. That is what I'm most proud of. Is there a project or a product or thing? I mean, there's lots of uh, that stuff out there, but at the end of the day, it's really about the people. Love it. And how about on the business side? What would you say is the most proud business accomplishment? Um, you know, there was, um, this was probably, this was over 10 years ago. I was tasked with creating a hospital medicine practice. Again, I'm a hospitalist. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I was told, hey, we need to build a practice from scratch. Faculty practice, academic medicine, competitive environment. 
and you just have to make it happen. And oh, by the way, there's no one in the health system at the time who was a hospitalist or could, or could really help you. Figure it out. Good luck. And, uh, and I was like, sure, I can do that. What's interesting <laughs> yeah, is if I, sign me up. Yes, right? <laughs> you know, it would be, if I had looked back, I would have realized, like, that was practically an impossible job, and why would I take that? But, you know, at the time, I'm like, oh, sure, I can go. I can do it, whatever. And so, you know, I was able to, I was able to pull it off. And, again, it was about the, those people that I was able to recruit and bring in, and I recruited people who, you know, and I said, hey, yeah, it doesn't exist, but this is what it's going to be, and it's going to be cool. You should come join us. And those intrepid souls um, signed signed on, it reminds me of that, that little video where it's not it's not the first person who's out there dancing by themselves, <laughs> yeah. it's that next person who comes. I love right? that video. Yeah, right? It's awesome. Yeah. And so it, it was those that second and that third person that says, yes, we're going to sign on to this idea. We're going to just go out there and dance on our own. That is, uh, to me, that was really powerful. At the end of the day, that group has grown to well over 100 FTEs. And they're, in my opinion, one of the strongest hospital medicine practices um, groups in the whole country. And, um, and it grew just from a little kernel of an idea that I had you know, over a decade ago. So I'm quite proud, again, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm quite proud of the people that make up that, that practice. Yeah, you know, in, in reflection, what it took to, to grow that practice from nothing, I'm sure built a really strong foundation, skills, relationships for, for what you're doing today. I think you're right on. And it's because, again, it's, it's about understanding stakeholders and understanding motivations. It's about collaboration, broad collaborations with multiple stakeholders. It's about, it's about leadership and management. It's about mentorship. It's about execution on business objective, objectives and you know kind of budgeting and all of those all of those pieces. All of those things came together, and those I think are universally applicable management and leadership skills. So I think you're right on on that. Love it. No, that's uh, that's exciting. Congratulations for that accomplishment, and um, it continues to run even though you're not there anymore. If you yep. have to say the most exciting thing that is going on today, what are you most excited about? Interesting. So now I'm going to, now I'm back to my digital hat again. And you yep. know what I'm really excited about, Saul, is it's interesting. So you, you, know, you kind of had your, your hype cycle around this um, and, it, and it's, on, it's coming down a bit, but I think it's even more exciting now. Um, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. But but I, the, what do I mean by that, though? I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, we're not talking Terminator um, types of thing. What I'm thinking is, at the end of the day, in healthcare, AI at a minimum, kind of the machine learning piece, but but true, kind of uh, kind of even you know, kind of true pushing out to AI is going to be baked into almost everything we do. Yeah, I think that's awesome, right? So it's not it's no longer like wow, we have this cool AI project. No, it's where is AI in what what you're doing on a day to day basis? How is AI helping you make? clinical decisions at the point of care? How is AI looking at, you know, helping you uh, manage populations and broadly apply your resources most effectively? How is AI actually improving your operations on a day-to-day basis in the back office? How is AI actually improving your interactions and engagements with those you serve? That, you know, that it's going to be, it's quite frankly going to be baked into everything we do to the point where people even don't even realize that that's what's going on. Yeah. I, there's one note of caution that I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, which is this idea, this black box around AI that um, exists right now. People don't know what happens in there. It's just some inputs come in and then some outputs come out and, and people just kind of go with that. Uh, that is, there's, there's a danger there because you can bake in bias into those algorithms. 
And so I do want to, the, the cost, note of caution there is that you re, we really should spend quite a bit of time understanding what's going on in those algorithms and making sure that we haven't just baked in and kind of um, made um, kind of more rampant bias in healthcare because it's already it's already a, a problem that we deal with. Mm-hmm. So that's my note of caution. That being said, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on, on AI overall. Yeah, it's a great message. It'll be like the, back in the day, you would just, you had a business if you tacked on a website to it, right? Here's right, a website. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, now they're going to tack on AI to everything. Yep. And it'll yep. become that much more useful. Yeah, it's interesting. One of my roles at Christiana was to lead our our venture capital uh, kind, of, oh, yeah. kind of small fund, mm-hmm. right? So I've been in that space. And, it, and, I, and I remember, you know, going to the J.P. Morgan Conference, for example, in San Francisco and several years back and, you know, having those conversations with some of those those companies that are that are in rounds of fund uh, funding. And I remember there was a, you know, there's a, there a period of time where if they said they just mentioned blockchain, people start throwing money at them. Um, <laughs> but I but I remember it was also if they just mentioned AI, like, yeah, there's some AI in there and there's blockchain. And then suddenly, you know, money just showed up. Um, it was fascinating. Typically, once you, you know, peeked under the hood, there was neither uh, blockchain or AI in what they were doing. But it was it's clearly those buzzwords. So that, that is a caution, you know, and I, I spent enough time, again, on that investment side to to have seen that cycle um, come and go but yeah no that's i think there is some caution around this idea of of you know what truly when you say ai ai what are you really talking about and is it truly ai uh, as part yeah. of that product that's a great point you know and there's that the experience that you had with the venture arm sort of honed your your bs detector oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean like wait a minute let's dive into this a little bit deeper what do you mean? oh yeah <laughs> That's great. That's great experience. And and so if you could have lunch with anyone, Edmondo, who would it be? Interesting question as I thought about that one. So, you know, as you know, tragically, uh, Bernard Tyson uh, passed away recently unexpectedly and really a hero for many folks, um, a mentor for people that I know personally and quite frankly, a leader, in not, not just at Kaiser, but in healthcare more broadly, I never got a chance to meet him. Yeah. And I would love to have had a chance to just sit down and pick his brain over lunch. Um, not just about uh, how he thought about Kaiser um, and that, that vision uh, there, but really broadly for healthcare overall, and directionally and strategically and ethically even, as we talked about bias a little bit earlier around AI, just he's, he's just a, such a powerful thinker and such an influencer. That would have been a really cool uh, conversation that I, that I unfortunately never got to have. Man, yeah, that yeah, it was it's tragic to lose him. And I actually had the opportunity to meet him a couple of weeks ago during the, the health meeting. Mm, yeah. And um, I mean, just incredible, right? He was talking about the work he was doing with getting meals to right. to improve community health. And I mean, just, right. yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm glad you brought him up and, and definitely somebody that I think is near and dear to all of our hearts. And um, yeah, it would have been nice to, to get lunch with them. Yeah, that's one of my regrets um, that I, I didn't figure out how to get that done. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think he's left behind a legacy and, and now you're doing a fantastic job. I think uh, continuing to do what you do is is just uh, an incredible way maybe to honor him and what he he's doing. 
Well, I, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, if I can even just a, a percent of what the kind of influence that he's had on the on on, on healthcare across the, uh, the the country and around the world, really, that would have been that would be a career that I could be proud of. Yeah, no, for sure. And what's what would you say, Edmondo, is the best advice you've ever received? So I've I've had such great mentors, David Ash, Bob Laskowski, so many other folks. So I've had a lot of a lot of great advice. So one thing that came to me, so maybe it's not the best advice because if I thought about it much longer, I probably could come up with with even better advice. But this is something that's sticking with me just right now. Maybe it's the best advice that I have in in my mind right now, which is this concept of imposter syndrome. Have you so you are you familiar with this concept? Oh yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. so. The best advice I've, I've received is imposter syndrome is nonsense. Leave it like just stop, stop this with this idea that you don't belong in the space where you belong. Yeah, right? just you, you, you're better than you actually think you are. And if someone thinks that you should be in that space, you probably should have been there a long time ago. <laughs> I love and, it. <laughs> and so, and, and it's, and it's. I think it's, it's really interesting for me. As an African-American physician, mm-hmm. there are many spaces that I'm in where there are no one else like me. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, it would be easy to kind of look around and say, do I really belong here? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that's one reason why that, that advice is really important uh, for me is to say, you know what, you're here because you do belong here. Mm-hmm. And and I think you know I've, I've mentored a lot of a lot of women um, in their careers, physicians and non physicians, and I've I've often had to repeat that same advice, which is you are here because you belong here. I recruited you or I hired you because you are the best person for this job, and and had to kind of encourage them along along those lines. And so I think that's good uh, general advice for for lots of folks. That's a great great advice, Edmondo, and. You know, to all the folks listening here, I think, and, and myself included, I, I do believe that that those thoughts of doubt enter the mind. And let's listen to Dr. Robinson here and, and that, you know, imposter syndrome, you do belong. You know, the idea of imposter syndrome is that you're not enough. You're, you don't have what it takes. You're not an imposter. You're the real deal. <laughs> and so yes. love that you shared that and uh, very cool that you're helping others see that as well and in, in your mentorship to them. So this talk has been great. You know, I think um, with the time we were allotted, I feel like we could probably even do a part two. So if you're up for it, maybe <laughs> maybe in six to seven months, we'll get you back on again in Mondo. Uh, you know what? Uh, my time is yours all whenever you want. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, so before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought with the listeners and then the best place where they could get in touch with or follow your work. Gotcha. So, you know, my, I think my last thought is, you know, embrace, embrace, embrace the digital health revolution. And that goes for not just for these um, innovation companies, of course, that, you know, that, that's what they're, they're based on. That goes for all of us in healthcare, embrace that digital health revolution. But remember, I always have these caveats all. Remember that the people at the end of the day are the key. The people are the key, not your algorithms, not your cool app, not your optimized uh, search engine, but the people at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. Best way to follow me, LinkedIn at Edmondo Robinson and and Twitter at Edmondo Robinson, E-D-M-O-N-D-O-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. I'm pretty active, you know, relatively active socially, and and typically I I share my work there. 
So I uh, would love a follow. You follow me, I'll follow you back. Love it. And Mondo, this has been great. I really appreciate your, your words of wisdom and uh, definitely excited to continue staying in touch with you. Thank you for having me, Saul. This is awesome. And I, anytime you want me back or you know, even just want to chat, let me know. Appreciate you for that. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 